This is the Recruiting Simplified Podcast, where college basketball coaches give parents all the information that they need to help their child reach their goals of playing at the next level. The recruiting process can be difficult at times and it can be overwhelming. So the goal of this podcast is to help parents get the right information from the people who make the decisions. You can find more information at AngelaRLewis.com or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Coach A. Lewis. Listen to what this coach had to say. Welcome to another episode of Recruiting Simplified. Our guest today is Coach Thousand. She is the head women's basketball coach at the University of Illinois Springfield. Coach Thousand, tell everyone a little bit about your background and when you fell in love with basketball. Sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to do this. This is always fun when we get to talk about our job and what we get to do, which I don't really consider it a job. So this is just, just really enjoyable. Um, I am actually from Wisconsin. I was, I started playing basketball when I was little. I have an older brother, so obviously that ignites it right off the bat, that competitive side of things. Um, but my high school team uh, went to state in 95. I'm dating myself a little bit, but um, they went to state. And once they went to state, it kind of ignited our team in our town. And um, we all just kept on playing and we were playing at, you know, all over. I'm kind of from the Madison, Wisconsin area. So um, that was kind of basketball was life up in Wisconsin. And with that, um, it kind of ignited, like I said, our team. And we ended up um, going to state my junior, my sophomore and my junior year and winning state. We actually went undefeated both years, which was awesome. So that really ignited, obviously, my passion for basketball. Um, my senior year, I ended up losing two games, um, which was like the crusher. We, we lost right before the sectional final game, going to state again for the third time. So, um, but that obviously having a great experience in basketball, the high school level, um, kind of got me going. And I wanted to go into college and play somewhere. I played division three basketball up at Lakeland University now. Um, for four years up there, we went to the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament, three out of my four years. So it's like, okay, this is just fun. Like this is, I'm super competitive um, and it just kept the ball rolling for us. Um, and then I started coaching at the collegiate level. I started division three uh, down at McMurray, which is down here in Illinois. It's actually pretty close to Springfield. I was here for a year and then I went to, as an assistant coach and I went to Carthage College in Kenosha, another D3 school as an assistant coach there. Um, again, I had that passion to be a head coach. So after four years as an assistant, I got a head coaching job at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin. So I was kind of back home again, which is kind of cool. So I had coached there for seven years, and then I got an opportunity to go up a division and up at the division two level. I went to Northern Michigan, where I was an assistant for two years, and then I was named the associate head coach for a year. Um, and we were super successful. We made it to the NCAA tournament. We ended up winning a game. Um, it was just a fun ride. It was so much fun. And then um, while we were at the NCAA tournament, I actually met the AD at the University of Illinois Springfield and how things just kind of evolved and go around in that basketball world. Um, next thing I know, I was offered a position as the head coach down here at Division II of the University of Illinois Springfield. And um, here I am taking over a program and um, kind of reamping it a little bit. And hopefully we can get that success going um, that I had as a player. So one thing that I love about your experience and background is you know how to win. Like the, it's one of those things, coach, <laughs> that when, when you recruit players, it's, 
if, if someone comes from a winning program, there's some things you know that they have. I'm not yes. saying if you don't come from a winning program, no one wants you. Of course, if you're good, <laughs> someone's exactly. Gonna, exactly. You, someone's going to want you on their team. But there is a mentality, there's a, a certain level of um, grit that you have to have when you've won. Because it is hard. To, I mean, you won two state titles and went undefeated twice. That is unbelievable. It's so hard to do that. Yes. Talk a little bit about how those experiences have shaped you as a coach. Oh my gosh. I still talk to my high school coach all the time. He coached, he, he just retired from coaching after 40 years of coaching. Oh wow. Um, he's super successful and he just, he gets the game, he gets the parents, he gets everything. So when I ever have a question, I am picking up the phone and I'm texting him, I'm calling him. He's probably annoyed with me, um, but he answers a lot of questions. He was a huge mentor and a big part of why I continued playing basketball. Um, and then at the college level, obviously we were successful there too. And I, my mentor there, I mean, she had to um, give up coaching. She moved into the administrative side of it um, for health reasons, but she's still, I can pick up the phone every day and call her too. Well, okay, I got this situation, I got that situation. And they're both extremely helpful. They know that the, our job is so much more than basketball. It's caring about people. It's about caring about what you're doing, about your players, about your parents, and having that connection, that family. And that's something that I've really embraced. Um, my family's great, but sports is a huge part of our family. And then when you can have those mentors and those people that help you out and kind of guide you, um, that's a big part of it. It is. That It really makes a difference. And I'm sure they're proud of all that you've accomplished and where you are. So Talk a little bit about your coaching style. I asked coaches about, so what's, what's your style? My style is, I'm, I'm a defensive coach. Um, being from Wisconsin, Dick Bennett was a big thing growing up and that's all he preached was defense, defense, defense. And I was a player, yeah, I got a score, but I played with, I played with two All-Americans. I played with All-Stars at the high school level. I mean, my job was to defend if I wanted to play, which I got that right away. So um, defense is really what we take our pride in. Um, being able to stop people. I mean, if we can if we can contain that ball as much as possible and then get out and score. We run that motion. You know, no one really runs plays anymore. They're running up and down the floor. They're trying to shoot threes. It's, it's really knowing the game and understanding what the best play is each possession. That's kind of what we're doing. Um, but yeah, defense is kind of our bread and butter. That's what we, we were living on right now. So yeah, and defense can really ignite and drive your offense. I mean, it's, For sure. You yeah. shift the momentum and and really create a lot of opportunities. Yes, yes. We're, we're, we're still in the learning phases, obviously, of everything. I've only been here now for about five months. Oh. So we're still figuring things out. Um, but yeah, defense is really what we're stressing. So let's talk about defense and recruiting. You know, I work with a lot of players and they want to get their shot better. Like we're, we're trying to score. Talk about what you're looking for when you're out watching kids play in terms of defense. Um, a lot of it is the grittiness that we were talking about earlier, that you got to be tough to play defense, and it's not easy, and you don't always want to play defense, but um, for me, I look a lot at footwork. If they are light on their feet, if they can move well, um, another big thing, too, is just running the floor. Defensively, if you can get down the floor before the other team, that's, you're going to be able to stop them usually nine times out of ten, so um, they're just little things that I look for, but I am also one of those people who that work ethic has got to be there. So when you can see people that 
do the little things and that care about the little things, whether it's rebounding and grabbing the ball with two hands. I mean, I got a lot of little pet peeves yes. that I talk about all the time. Run them off. Parents want to hear this. Yeah. Grab the ball with two hands. Grab the ball with two hands. What else? Yes. Um, it, just the communication part too. I mean, that's a big thing too. If you understand the game, you, you're able to guide your teammates and talk to them. Um, and it, you don't have to be a captain to do this. I talk about that with my team all the time. If you're the first person back, it, you, you got to tell people where to go and who to get and all that. And it might not be your player, but as long as you're pointing, you're communicating, I mean, that's a huge thing too. Um, I look for the little things too, even on the bench. If you're the player who's sitting there and not doing anything, you're kind of like, hmm, not a great teammate. You know, it's not just about you. It's a, the team aspect. So um, people that are cheering and still communicating on the bench too. I mean, if you're out of the game, you're still in the game because you never know when that opportunity can arise where that coach is going to call on you and you got to be ready to go. Um, and that's, I mean, there's a lot of little things that I kind of nitpick on, um, but defensively we talk really big about having our hands up and not swinging and swatting at balls and trying to block shots. Yeah, you block shots, but you block shots up top, not by, you know, taking off their head, by swinging at full speed across the body. Um, it's just little things and our team is getting really good at it. Um, they're probably a little annoyed with how much I <laughs> preach, <laughs> but um, it, we're improving every day, which is really exciting. I mean, and they're going to see the fruits of that, having their hands up because come February and January, January, February, everyone's hands are going down. Like most yes. teams are tired, you know, it's conference tournament time. So yep. all of those little things makes a difference. Yeah, and it's your bad, it's the bad habits. That's when you get tired and you're mentally, you get tired, physically, you get tired, you go back to those bad habits. If you can break those bad habits early, then you're going to be successful. It's going to help you down the stretch. It's going to help you when other teams are tired. And my mindset too with our team is I'm like, you're not tired, right? And they're like, nope, we're not tired, even though they could be gassed. So I was like, nope, we got that mindset that, hey, we're still going to go. So um, it's just that positive, that positive and that just the thought process of what you're doing on the court and just maintaining that at a high level let's talk a bit more about mindset i'm, I'm really my favorite yes, well, you've won so much so there is a championship and a winning mindset that permeates yes. the culture well individuals first it has to start yep. with someone whether it's the coach or one of the teammates but then it permeates the culture yes and so i i have parents who will say they don't have like a routine. They just kind of go out there and play. Will you, will you talk about the connection between routine and mindset? For sure. Um, it, it's such a crucial part of the game and I think it's overlooked by a lot of people right now. And um, social media and all this stuff doesn't really help too much with everything, but it's what you are feeding into your mind is, is really what's where it all starts. They always say, um, I, I enjoy reading a little bit and they say if you can say what you're telling yourself in your head to someone out loud, to like a stranger or to a teammate, that's what you want to be saying. If you're telling yourself that you all those negative thoughts and you can't literally say them to somebody else out loud, then you probably shouldn't be saying that. And you got to train your mind to not say that. And that's really what we're talking about with our team is you're going to miss a shot. Basketball is a game of mistakes. You're going to have a turnover. There's very few teams that go through an entire game and not have one turnover. Um, and very few teams shoot 100% from the floor. So how are you going to react when those things happen? That's a big thing. Um, we actually just 
played an exhibition game and we I knew we were down 28 points in the third quarter and I was thinking okay this could get a little scary also we started hitting shots we got some defensive stops so we came back within 12 in the fourth period and it was like all right we got a little grit we got a little grind but a lot of it's the mindset and what I'm telling her like hey you're gonna miss a shot you gotta take that shot that might be the best shot we get in those 30 seconds um playing with our shot clock that you have to take so it's just getting them to understand like it's okay to make mistakes I think is the other thing and telling themselves that it's okay to make a mistake as long as then they do something to get that ball back or to help their team by grabbing that rebound or whatever it might be on that next possession. That's so true. I was talking to a sports psychologist and he talked about the difference between average players and those who are, are great and well above average, their ability to bounce back yes. is exceptionally quickly compared to others. They don't, they don't spend time sulking. You can't. In a basketball game, everything can happen so fast that you turn over the ball and they're making a play down on the other end where if you sulk for a second, that could be a three and that one possession could change that game dramatically. And then you come out of the game. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> the next step in that three points. <laughs> you come sit down. Got it. <laughs> Let's talk about being a good teammate. You know, we're – this. The podcast is obviously recruiting simplified. Your whole team doesn't get recruited, right? It's like one kid. But your coaches are looking for how you relate to your team and to your coach. What are you looking for in terms of being a teammate when you're out watching kids play? And I kind of hit on a little bit before, watching them on the bench. I, I love to watch um, all of our recruits in person because you get to see a different dynamic. Yes, you can send the highlight film and you make every shot and you make every layup, which is great. But um, when you get to see them in person, you really get to see who they are. Um, let's say that you go to a game and a player has four fouls and they play about three minutes. I've had that happen. And you see the demeanor of how, okay, is it all about them? Or are they worried about their teammates? So they're making sure that their team does something well. Um, same thing if something bad happens, are they sulking? Um, another thing too, not just being a great teammate, is, is being a good person. So if how you talk to your mom and dad in front of a coach, oh, that could be a, a good thing or a bad thing. Um, that kind of a, alerts you with how you respect, um, how you respect people, how you treat other people. Because if you're, let's say on a road trip and you're at a restaurant and you're getting food, and they mess up your order. Are you gonna get all angry and start yelling and make a big scene? Well, you, now you're representing your program, your basketball team, your school, all those things out in the community. People see that, people hear about that, and that is a red flag, and you don't want those things to happen within your program. So we talk about with our team, um, just respecting everything and making places better when you leave. So if you push in your chairs, if you pick up all your garbage, if you make sure everything's thrown away and take care of your teammates, because if somebody else doesn't do it, okay, like help them out by relating to them. Um, another thing too, when you're out at recruiting, um, whether you're at a game or whatever, a lot of it is if you're out and you might be the best player, but let's say you're on the bench for some reason and somebody comes out and you actually pick up their water bottle and hand them their water bottle. It's like, oh, she cares about her teammates. She wants to know that she's doing okay or, you know, or just seeing their demeanor, if they're talking when the coach is talking or if they're listening to the coach, if they're really intense into the game and knowing what to do. Um, there's just like little things that coaches look for and that's being a good teammate is definitely important. Um, it carries over in the locker room and it also carries over onto the floor because you wanna make sure that the, they, not everybody has to get along, but they all gotta make sure that they have each other's back. You're going to war 
um, every single game. And you got to make sure that the girls sitting next to you or the ladies and wherever, whoever you're playing with, your, your teammates has got to be there because if you go down, someone's got to have your back to pick you up. Very, that's so true. You brought up something that I, I, no one else has said is how you treat your parents. No other coach has mentioned that is as, as what, as something that they look at. They listen to how they talk to their parents, how they treat their parents as an indication of yes. how they will potentially relate to you as a coach. Yes, because in that, if you think about it, like I look at myself as being the mom of my program and Absolutely. I, I have 20 girls and how they respect me and how they talk to me is pretty much usually how they are going to talk to their mom. And if you have a player who's negative towards their mom or tells their mom to shut up or something like that, it's like, Oh, have I'm, you seen that? Yes. <laughs> mom to shut up? Oh yes. You, you see all kinds of stuff. And that's when you're like, okay, well, it was nice talking to you. And you walk over to the next court. <laughs> Um, but yes, the, you, you've seen all kinds of things while you're out recruiting. Um, and again, you, that's how I learn all my red flags of, okay, what I'm looking for, for an individual and a parent too. Um, parents are a big part of it as well when you're recruiting and how they talk to their kid is a big thing too. Um, I mean, it, it goes both ways. In what ways have you taught your players how to communicate more effectively? Because what, essentially what we're talking about is how do we communicate empathetically, honestly, directly, and assertively, especially as young women. I mean, like having those skills are essential, but to do it in a way that's respectful. We talk about it. Um, we actually create a leadership in our program and um, we have our players vote and then we have our coaches vote as well. And we come together on a consensus of what we want um, to be in our leadership team. But we have that conversation with them saying, this is, a, this is like you guys are all sisters and you're all one big family, all right? are you going to get along with your sister every single day? My, me and my sister did not. I can tell you that. Um, we were fighting about the first 18 years of my life until we grew up a little bit. Um, but you're not going to get along all the time and it's going to happen. But does that mean I still don't love her? No, I still love her with all my heart. But there's going to be those days. Same thing with your mom. You're going to fight with your parents. You're going to fight with your family. You're probably going to fight within your team. But you need to address it. You need to talk about it. If I need to get involved, I will. But i I would really I kind of have that on them that they can have those adult conversations and not have somebody else. But if they need somebody, we're always here, whether it's me or my staff or anyone that they can talk to about it. That's, that's really key and important that they're dealing with issues. I mean, you know, I play too. So you, you have these situations that kind of like, oh, yes. like, oh, she looked at me this way or she didn't pass <laughs> the ball or whatever. Yes. And then it, gives, yes. it, can, it can grow bigger yes. than than what um, it was initially. Yes, and handling the problem sooner and earlier is the most important thing. Getting it out in the open and not letting it escalate to be bigger and better and involve more people, the less people that you can get in. But that was the one thing that I really learned as a associate head coach. Um, I was also underneath the direction of a guy who has coached both men's and women's at the collegiate level. He's been coaching for 33 plus years. I got a wealth of knowledge from him. Um, and it, it was one of his things right away. If we have issues, we sit them down and, and yes, it's the most awkward conversation, but it gets everything out in the open and people are really, and then the next day it's like, you have two different teammates on your team because it just is out open and it's done and it's moved on. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes a difference to communicate and connect and you, and they're going to need those skills for their entire life. You're always going to, oh, for sure. Like, and, the and, and, up. 
Right. And they don't understand that. And that's kind of what we preach too, is like, you're going to, you might work for somebody who you don't like your boss. You can't tell mom and dad to go over there and talk to your boss to see if you get a promotion or if you didn't get a promotion or whatever. So it relates with everything. You might have a coworker who you don't like to work with. I mean, you literally, it's a growing up process and it's something, yes, it takes a little bit of time, but you, it, it's awkward and you have to have those conversations, but I think it also, they understand it in the end of what we're doing. Yeah. Yep. It takes time, but they, they eventually get it because they eventually have to grow up is kind of what happens in life. Yep. <laughs> so let's, let's shift gears a little bit and deep dive into recruiting. I am looking up questions from the survey from right. parents. So I'm pulling right from here. So one question, at what age do you start recruiting? There were a lot of, one of the big things was parents wanted to know timelines. You know, like at what point do coaches put them on the list and start identifying them as prospects. I think this is different with every coach. I will say that. And I think it's different from different divisions being at the D3 level and at the D2 level. Um, if I'm talking about D2, like right now we're looking at probably 2022s and 2021s. So it's about your juniors and your sophomores right now. Sophomores and juniors. Okay. Yep. Um, so the seniors, um, you pretty much have a good grasp over who you're going after for seniors. I know it's a little bit different at the division one level, um, but a lot of them, the way that a lot of people know about people is obviously through the social media, but through camps as well. Obviously a lot of people are doing their elite camps now. And the more that you can get out and go to the elite camps of where you want to go and what school you want to go to, I think those are a big thing. Um, that'll get them on their list right away if they haven't already been on their list. Um, at the D3 level, I think a lot of it is, a little bit later because they're kind of waiting to see who gets the scholarship offers unless that they contacted the school right away because say they want to go into nursing or they want to go into business and that's they know what they want to study then you should be reaching out to those schools and those coaches because then they'll have an opportunity to see you play and to kind of to start that communication process right away got it yep so depending on the level it determines when coaches start recruiting you yes something that parents have asked can they reach, should they, and can, well, we know that they can't, but should they, and at what point should they reach out to college coaches? Do you all, do you look at code emails or the profiles from what in NCSA and Champion U and Phil level? Do you guys? Yeah, there's all kinds. Yeah. Um, Yes and no. Uh, we do look at them sometimes when we're looking like for a specific, let's say if we want a 6'2 post player, like them, yeah, we'll go through them all, you know, we'll go through those exact things of where, where we might find one. Um, but, but really, um, for us, it was, it's a lot of, yeah, if they, re, if they send me an email, I'll look at it. I'll, uh, but again, it's that highlight film where you're going to make every shot you're going to see everything right off the bat. Um, but Reaching out, I don't think is a bad thing, if the, especially if the athlete knows where they want to go. If they know what they want to study, if they know this is a school for me, this is where I really want to go. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think they can reach out, I mean, freshman year, if that's what they're thinking. Um, I encourage it because I think it's starting that relationship and building that relationship. Attending their camps, obviously, their elite camps and all that, I think is a huge bonus as well, because you're going to get on the radar of the head coach as well. Um, but I think it's, we, we get bombarded with emails, yes. Um, but we do, I take the time to look at each one just because you never know. Um, I'm one of those coaches who thinks that it, you gotta read them and you gotta at least see what's out there. Um, otherwise you never know what you might miss. Very true. So you're looking at them. So parents who are thinking about profiles, yep. it, 
at what point should they put a profile up too if parents ask? So I guess what for this two parts. One, if you see a profile once and you're not interested, do you go back to it? Like, so let's say the girl's a freshman, right? Mm -hmm. And you get a profile and you watch her video and as a freshman, she's, you know, doesn't stand out a whole lot. Most yep. freshmen don't. Yep. But do you like go, do coaches, not necessarily you, but you and like, do you go back to it and say, oh, let's see how this kid is doing now that she's a junior? Personally, I don't unless she has like a breakout year um, or somebody sends me stuff. But we, for me, I think is a big thing of, I've, I'm constantly reaching out to AAU coaches and AAU programs and high school coaches and high school programs um, that again, are, have those winning attitudes and those winning, those championship mindset. Um, we're reaching out to them pretty much weekly on who they got or who they know in the area um, and just kind of doing that creating a profile, I'm not going to say it's the wrong thing or a bad thing, um, if, but some coaches utilize it a lot more than other coaches and other programs, and I think it just depends on um, what you want to do. It's easier to send that link out instead of trying to create your own, um, but I, knew, I know they do a good job of sending stuff out and getting things out to coaches, um, and yeah, we'll glance when we have some time, some free time, usually on the bus, that's what we're doing is looking through all the profiles, um, and yeah, we'll, if we if they catch our mind right away, if they catch our eye right away, we kind of put them on our list, but it just kind of all depends. I talked to one coach at an NAIA school and he said, they, they will look at everything and because they don't have the budget to go out and recruit. I mean, it's one right. full-time coach and a part-time assistant. Oh, yes. So oh, yes. like they're, they're trying to like hopefully catch a diamond in the rough. And then I talked yep. to a coach at, in a power five interview him he's like we don't look at any of that like, no. <laughs> like don't send it we're power five like we we are looking at all the all-americans so yeah. you know unless you come to an elite camp right and yep. you do something spectacular there's a really good chance that we're not gonna even put you on the list yep exactly you, you know acknowledge that you sent something <laughs> okay but yep. that but that's the nature of it it is. It is. And it all depends on where you want to go, I think, too, and what you want to study. Because um, there's there's some athletes who have no idea who are still deciding when they get to school. And then there's other ones like, nope, I want to go into nursing and then I want to go to med school and then I want to continue on. And they have everything all planned out for the next six years. So um, you really have a lot of different um, athletes and what they want to do and where they want to go. And I think that's driven by um, their academics as well. So I think it just kind of depends on the athlete. Well, let's talk a little bit about highlight videos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what makes a good highlight video for you, for coaches to watch? Not what's cool for the, for the student athlete, but what makes it good for you? And then I'll tell you what some other coaches said. Personally, <laughs> I, I probably won't watch a highlight video. <laughs> I'll watch it briefly um, when I first... Brief when I first like get the athlete, if they send me it, I'm like, okay, let's see what this athlete's about. But if I really am interested, I'm going to contact the high school coach or the AAU coach to get a full game because so, I want to see a full game um, because you can see so much more than what you can in that little highlight video. So I, I rarely watch them. So if you see a highlight video, okay, let's go on the rare occasion that you've watched the video. How much time, like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, how much time do you need to determine if you're going to keep watching? And then I'll tell you what another coach said. Maybe 
three possessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is important. That's why I'm doing this podcast because parents ask all the time about highlight videos and they're spending a significant amount of money for yep. these really cool video. Like the videos are cool. So I think parents who are listening and players, if you if you create a highlight video, determine who it's for. If the video is for social media and you want like all your family and friends to see you scoring a lot of buckets, cool. Like you get a bunch of likes and people will comment and tell you how great it was. That's yep. cool. But if you're cre- if you if it's for college coaches, then it needs to show you should probably play defense first. We'll just show you on defense first and then show something about you interacting with your team and then I don't know let them know when your games are or your coaches contact something, but just, you have to stand out. If every yes. video of everybody is shooting threes and, and breaking people down, then you're not separating yourself from the, uh, from the crowd. Exactly. And it's just like, it's kind of, I would say like a job interview mm-hmm. or your resume. I mean, that the stuff on paper is great and what you see, but what differential, what put you above and above, above and beyond some of these other athletes? I think that's a big thing. Um, and when you get those same repetitive highlight videos, it's just like, okay, she's going to make another layup. She's going to hit another <laughs> shot. Okay, here we go. And then they show free throws. Don't ever put free throws on a highlight video ever. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. <laughs> I will let them know. No, no, no free throws. No. And defense. First. I would I would say, but that's because I'm defensive minded. <laughs> that's what other coaches have said too. Okay, let me pull let me pull another question. Um when what do you think about exposure events? And when should when should kids start going to exposure events? So I have I know people who are like sixth grade, seventh grade, and their parents are traveling all around the country taking them to get exposure. When, when, when should they get exposed? Or when should exposure matter? I think is a better framing of the question. Yeah. I would say personally that once you hit like eighth grade freshman year, that's really when you need to be traveling all over the country and getting that exposure if that's really what you're looking for. But I think the other part of it too is making sure that you're not on the C team of an AAU program because they're not getting the same exposure as that A team is getting. And I think there's a lot of things that go in, in intertwined with all of that. Um, but I think the sixth and the seventh grades, I think if you're just in the area and you're just playing as the teams in the area, I think you'll be okay. It's more of what you do um, with the fundamentals is making sure that you can handle the ball, that you can make your layup on your right side and the left side right. and doing all of that stuff. I think that is so important and that is so lost in today's game. Um, the one thing that I really like about overseas is that they play a ton of three-on-three stuff, which is kind of taking on a little bit now mm-hmm. um, for the younger kids, but they, t- they learn the game so much better by doing the three-on-three events than what they do playing the five-on-five full-court games. It, it's great. Yeah, they play 15 games in a weekend, but what are they really getting out of it um, is my thing. So I think once you hit eighth grade going into that freshman year, I think that's when your body's a little bit more adjusted to the game and you can mm-hmm. kind of figure things out a little bit. Um, and you can really get – that's really – when I'm talking to a couple of my D, D1 um, coaches and some colleagues, they say like that's really when they're going after them is that eighth grade area. Well, and then coaches can't, you know, you can't have a conversation with players until they're older anyway. So even Correct. building the relationship. And parents, some of it is an ego check. 
is is this for you or is do you want your kid exposure so that you can say so and so was at the game watching your the kid play your daughter play or right. is it a situation where you want exposure so that your child can get a scholarship and if so this here's what a few other coaches said so if there's a really good club team in your area a really good team and your child is never going to play in a game during the summer it does not make and she wants exposure so that so if she wants to be on the team because her friends are there and they get the coolest gear because they're sponsored by whoever that's cool like we're not hating like do it whatever that makes you happy but yeah. if the intention is really to get exposure then you have to play coaches have to see you play so you have to be on a court so it doesn't make sense to be on a 15 girl roster on right. a one oh <laughs> that was my phone <laughs> things happen so it doesn't make sense to be on a 15 girl roster of the best team and say you're one of the best if you're not playing correct now if you're in high school if you're a freshman in high school and your team is stacked with seniors and you're going to state it makes sense that you're not playing and not one college coach in america is going to say you you shouldn't be there no like stay and then earn your keep in high on your high school team on your yes. summer team where you're paying and you get to decide different ball yeah. game different yes. ball game and totally to agree. yeah totally agree yep yep okay let me get to another question i just started sweating i got upset <laughs> <laughs> That's a big deal. Um, how, oh, oh, where'd that question go? Oh, this is one, this is one that's asked all the time. How do you know if coaches are interested? How do you determine the interest? And at what point, so two part question. And at what point should you start caring about the interest? So you'll know the coaches are interested. Um, when you have a constant communication from the coach or somebody on their staff. So there's a difference between interest and admission interest. There's two different ways. So you might get something from a university that you, let's say, applied to, but is it from the basketball staff or is it actually from admissions, which is a general um, letter or something going out? So you go to an elite camp at a school and you get a general letter back saying, you know, oh, well, you should apply for this or apply for that. Some people consider that that they're getting recruited and it's not really getting recruited. It's not the women's basketball staff that's sending it. That's actually somebody in their admissions department because you signed up for that camp and you went to that school. So now their parents kind of interpret that as now they're getting recruited by that school. Not technically the, te the case. If you get something, um, an email back from somebody who's on staff, then that's different. That's where the interest is start, starting to peak a little bit and spark a little bit. Um, and I think that parents need to be really careful about that too, because you don't want to be telling people that you're getting recruited by all these big time schools and it's because your daughter attended a, something at that university. So you got to make sure that it is very personal. Um, coaches will take the time if they're recruiting your kid that it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's not going to be a generic big letter that gets sent out to everyone um, or a text message or a phone call. Like that's going to be to that individual. That's when the interest really has started and peaked. Back in the day, thank you for that. The admissions interest and coaches program big distinction yeah. now it's worth looking at the stuff from admissions if you like the school so like look Definitely. at that information there's admissions counselors who talk to to um prospective students 
yep. all the time. It's their job to get kids at the school. So yep. they're good people to know as well. However, if, if the child is not having communication with the coach, or if the coach hasn't come to see your kid play, then yep. you may not be interested. Well, then they're not interested, not may not. They're not. Yep. <laughs> Back in the day, I want to touch on this. Back in the day, coaches used to write handwritten letters. I, yes. I still have like all of the ones that I had. My parents kept it. They're the, great, the greatest archivists ever. So I have all these letters. Do coaches still write letters? Is that still a thing or is it DMing? I think it, again, um, depends on the program. I do. I can tell you that. I know of a couple other Division One programs that do. Um, they want to have that personal touch, which I think is huge. I know a couple of the D3 programs that do as well. Um, it just kind of makes that special thing. And who doesn't love getting something in the mail that's not – for us, when we're older, it's a bill. But, you know, when you're younger, it's fun to get that piece in the mail. And it reminds you usually it has the logo and everything on it. That is a totally different thing. And I don't think it's archaic at all. I think text messaging is great and all that stuff is, is good. The emails, nobody listens or nobody responds to an email anymore. Um, when you really want to touch them, you got to go through the social media side or you got to have that personal touch or you're sending that letter through the mail. Let's, thank you. It's good to know that that still happens. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I haven't gotten a personal letter in a long time. All <laughs> Here's my question to you. How many have you sent out? How many letters have I sent out? Like mm -hmm. in my life? Oh, like how many, how, many, how many individual handwritten letters have you sent out? Oh, you know what? I just had a clinic. I had a clinic <laughs> October 20th, and I sent thank you notes to the people who sponsored kids. There you but go. I hadn't done it in a long time. And I sent them a picture of all the kids at the clinic, and then I wrote thank you notes. But yep. I, I should write them to like my little nieces and nephews. I should write yep. them. Yep, and now this month it's no, it's thankful. Thank, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's the thankful month of November, so um, it kind of goes. We actually talked about that with our team uh, at the beginning of the year. We made all of our team write thank you letters to their parents or to someone special who did something for them at the very beginning. And like, this is why you guys are here. This is why you guys are received the scholarship is because of everything that your family has done for you to get to this point. Um, so that's a big thing with me is writing those hand, handwritten thank yous and kind of having that personal touch because your mom and dad are probably going to be like, wait, what is this? Why did you send me this? <laughs> and then is the cash app request for money. <laughs> yes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, that's really funny. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about social media. We'll wrap mm -hmm. up with this. Okay. The question that I asked parents exact question I want to know I want you to guess the answer and then um, I'll tell you what they reported okay okay do you believe your social media post about your daughter's accomplishment impacts your daughter's chances of receiving a scholarship offer yes no or maybe what percent said yes what percent said no what percent said maybe I would say it was a high percent that said yes what let's throw a number out there 63 percent. Okay, 63 said yes, and then that leaves another 37 percent. So I would say probably 10 percent of that said no, so what is that left with? 20 percent said maybe. Okay, here's what they said. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's, it's close, right? I'm yeah. like trying to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know there was a, a pop quiz. So here's what they said. 35.5% said yes. 32.7% said maybe. And 31.8% said no. 
totally opposite. Wow. I was really surprised when I saw that stat as well, because there, to me, it says there's a confusion mm -hmm. or there's a lot of unknown. Yeah. So does it help? Um, I think it only helps depending on who you follow, because if you're not following the coach or the program and they're never going to really see your posts anyways. So I think if you connect, if you connect, you know where you want to go, you know what coach you want to follow. I think that's a big thing Even with me. Um, I like to follow different programs. I like to follow different coaches just to see what they're putting out on social media. It's kind of like how I do my research. Right. And I think that's what if families want to know about a program and know about what they're all about. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it through Instagram, through Twitter, all of that is that you can follow the program and you can see what they're doing on the court, off the court, um, kind of what they take pride in. I think, I think that's a great tool for you. And I think that's a great tool for athletes to know, oh, this is really cool. Cause there's some programs that are really, really into community service that are really into, you know, doing all different things. Um, and then there's some that's just straight business. Like everything that they post is strictly just about basketball. So I think if you want to get to know the program a little bit more, I think that's huge. And I think if, if you follow the coach, that's going to put up a red flag again, and then you're going to be like, wait, who is this? <laughs> and who's their daughter? And it's going to get into that a little bit, kind of that, um, that, that research that you do behind it as a coach. That's helpful. Thank you. That's the first time that's been mentioned as well. So follow, follow the coaches and the programs that oh, you're yes. interested in on social media as a way for them to know that you exist. Yes. And then make sure that you don't post anything inappropriate on the back end of that. <laughs> Very true. Watch what you post. Yes. Have a ghost yeah. account if you're going to. No, no, I'm not encouraging. No, don't do that. Account. No, don't, don't do that. that. Because no. the other thing with that, the coaches find those accounts too. So don't That's do that. True. It always comes out. You know what? Yes. Don't yes. post it. If you want to see it. Sorry, parents. I didn't mean to tell them that. <laughs> Hopefully you can find their ghost accounts. Exactly. So, Coach Thousand, thank you so much. Speaking of social media, if people want to learn more about you, they want to learn more about University of Illinois Springfield. How can they reach you? Uh, definitely. Um, you will find me on Twitter as well, at Coach Thousand. Um, that is where you'll find me. Uh, we also have our UIS WVB account, um, which you can follow all, all of our social media there. You'll see um, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and our season's just starting. We start Friday. So this is a perfect timing leading up, um, getting into the thick of things. Yes. Well, good luck this season. Thank you again for joining me. And I will encourage everyone to follow you all and, and wish you all the best this season. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. The Recruiting Simplified Podcast is produced by the Global Athlete Media Network. To find out more information about this podcast, visit AngelaRLewis.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Coach A. Lewis.